Have you ever wondered why veterans struggle so much getting back into civilian right? Whether or not you are a veteran, Fight by Betsy Ross is a short book series that has an emotional intense story arc to help spread awareness of those struggles veterans face coming out of the force. Check out the series and more of the fight mission at worldwideweb.fightbetsyross.com. Her latest release, Fight 4, is available now. Coming to YouTube is the show Healing Hands. Healing Hands is hosted and presented by Chenille Bostic. In this series, Chenille will be teaching us about massage therapy and techniques and demonstrate those skills she has acquired to the audience. Click on the YouTube link in the description below to be the first to find episodes of Healing Hands. Healing Hands launches September 12th. Give it a minute to load here fully. And one second here. Oh, this is going on here. Okay, and pause. Oh, hold on a second here. Let's see if this bad boy is working here the way it should be. Now, we are doing last minute checks live on the air, folks, because this is what we do here. <laughs> this is totally what we do. So there's a network error. It might be my end. Hold on a second here. Okay. Give me a second here. There we go. There we go. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Okay, there it goes. Hold on a second here. There it goes. And there we are. Kind of just doing that little bad boy trick there so I can kind of watch back and forth what's going on. Like Zoom and Zoom and Twitch do not play well. Gotta <laughs> clap. clap. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 999. My guess, I mentioned this to him about six months ago. I contacted him and said, hey, buddy, would you like to be guest 999? Because if I have to go through every era, I have to go to the man that did this first. Hey, buddy. Scott Burton. It was a thank you, Josh, for having me back. It has definitely been a minute. Yeah. Well, we got a lot of catching up to do. Fortunately, we got a cold <laughs> one to catch up with. Nice. So how you been, buddy? What's, what have you been up to? Wow. Uh, so one, good. Um, two, I, I don't even know where to start. Um, so you know, thinking about the interview and uh, getting a chance to chat again. And again, trying to, to just think back to that first meeting at When yeah. Words Collide. And, and oh, yeah. I think you're right. It was 20, 2016. Yes. Um, and uh, and everything that's happened between now and then, and and just yeah, where where to begin? Um, I guess I I should probably go in the way way back machine. Uh, when we met, I had book two of a trilogy done. I did finish that trilogy, uh, and then took the better part of four years off, and then wrote another one. So um, I guess on the author front, I've knocked out six books in way too many years um i don't hey, it's sorry i'll let you go here no i was just gonna say I, I i get that the race is long and it's only with myself but um yeah i uh there there's a certain measure of pride and there's a certain uh certain amount of looking at that four-year gap in the middle and being like really nothing really although it wasn't nothing i did actually rewrite the breakfast club Scene nice. for scene, line for line, but with monsters. But it was blatant plagiarism. Couldn't do anything with it. 
No, it, it's fair. It's totally fair. Uh, okay. Well, I've done 998 of these since you last, since you were last on the show. So I guess I know that's insane. That is insane. I've done a feat. I've legitimately done a feat. Can't deny it. Um, nope. Not many people do it this long. Like not many. I'm probably in a handful actually. To be honest. Right. Yep. And. and yeah, it's been an incredible journey. Uh, okay. So 2016, I had released two books. Yes, I released two books. My third book came out in 2017. Nothing in 2018 and 2019. 2020, I released two books. 2021, nice. I released a book. 2022 and 23, I've not released any full books. However, I've broken into comics. I've done freelance articles. I've done video series i've never stopped me and i've learned how to draw that's awesome holy yeah. crap dude I, I took it seriously and, I, and i'm not saying you didn't what i mean by that is i just made the decision that i was going to go well in and make a living doing this you have to at some point i think in your life look at what you have and who you are and go what can i do with this in the world yep. and that's what i did so you have to share uh, way, way back again at that convention up in Calgary. I remember you talking about a story idea involving nanobots. Oh, geez. It's been a long time. I didn't actually write that story. <laughs> I didn't write. So the, I, still oh. have the, I, I, no, I still have it in my head. I'll, I'll tell you what I've written. So I wrote a story about the idea of the cloud today being our archaeology tomorrow. So that's my science fiction book. It's called The Cloud nice. Diver. It's called the cloud diver. Then Sweet. I was, I was asked, I was asked right after I met you actually, ironically enough to submit, I did, you know, the, the epic poetry I did. So uh -huh. I was asked to do something for a Lewis Carroll anthology and I wasn't quite sure what to do. And then I met a girl with a Gorgon tattoo. She's cute. I went to hit on her. She played for the other team. It's all good. So actually friends, we still are actually friends to this day. And, um, but she had Medusa on her arm. And I was like, I could put Medusa in Alice in Wonderland. And then it hit me. Alice and Pandora, the same story. I like it. That's awesome. Yeah. So I've done two of those as well. And I'm currently got a novel. So I haven't said this much about this. I'm working. When I'm done this tonight, I get to, um, I have an, I have an agent interested in my next novel. And that's what I've been working on for the last little bit. But I've also been, you know, doing, I've like, how do I turn my creativity into a living has been the question for the last. Always the struggle. Yep. But I think I figured it out. And it's weird because it's not about your skills. It's really about your mindset. And your passion. Yep. Yeah. So during the pandemic. Oh, we, 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 I'm sure we can talk about what, what, how, do you, how, how did you handle your apocalypse, Mr. Scott? <laughs> this was my second apocalypse. This one was far less personal and far more global, but it was still an apocalypse. And, uh, and you know, I, I was by and large, I, the thing is I talk to myself a lot more now. Like, honestly, that's a, I think a normal ish response, right? And maybe as I keep getting around more people, that'll disappear a little bit. Yeah. It's uh, honestly, and I, I'm right there with you. So long periods of, of isolation and 
you know, only human contact, just being through the computer. Um, I did go through, I don't even want to call it a phase. I think it was actually a pretty, a pretty cool and healthy period of time where I, I started reconnecting with people, people mm-hmm. that I had, I had known when I lived in LA or when I lived in Chicago or, or whatever, people I hadn't talked to in years and just started trying to, to get that, that little video chat together, have a virtual beer, you know, reconnect to somebody from, from the past and, and connect again in the present. And you know, for me, that was, that was huge. You know, I'm a definitely an extrovert. I like being out and about and with the masses. And when I was stuck in my house for long periods of time, it was getting a little, it's getting a little dicey. So. So I turned the podcast into a Twitch stream. That was how my, my work around initially, nice. initially, um, what I did was, um, I actually, I started reading literally the day after the pandemic was official. Everything was going to get shut down. Um, I started, I started just reading. I like this whole CS Lewis concept of reading a story in the worst times. Cause on one hand, it's the most absurd thing you can do, but on the other, it's the best thing you can do. Yep. Yeah. That, completely agree. No, nothing says life will go on. Then someone telling a story to somebody else in the dark, it's actually one of the yeah. coolest forms of rebellion you can do. Yep. Yeah, I totally agree. That's awesome. And I, I can say that my, my TBR list got a nice little dent put in it during the pandemic. I finally had the space and time forced on me mm-hmm. to, to really start to prioritize what I should have been doing uh, for years beforehand and actually picking up and ripping through some great books. So I tried, I, here, I'll show you something here. Let's see if it works for you. I'm going oh, on. right on. Yeah. I've seen it. Actually, I've seen a lot of your art pop up on, uh, on Facebook. Yeah. Would you, Facebook would you, would you, or Insta? Both. They're in some both. And cool. so for me, this is actually, so for me, it was about getting out of my comfort zone. The epiphany of what uh, the fear of sucking. Again, the first year of freelancing, I did it all wrong. I did it all wrong. And I mean by that is the mindset I had was, what if I fuck this up? Which is the yeah. worst mindset to have as a freelancer, right? It's the worst one. You can't, you, you can't function properly with it. Second one, but so what you have to do is you have to kind of, you have to kind of, uh, how do I put this? You have to kind of change your whole mentality. Well, same with the drawing. Drawing was, well, what if I suck? Summer kind of concept. What if I fuck it up? What if I suck? But the epiphany was, so what if I suck? I don't have to, I don't have to be good. And that's so freeing. It lets you have fun. Well, and I I think that, you know, for me, what I hear is, um, and even with my own writing, it's like, there are, there are technical aspects of different creative disciplines. You know, I, I will, I will never be an architect. It just my, my brain doesn't work that way. Um, but the, the technical aspects only, only go so far. Um, there, there's a point where I think the true creativity is being able to tackle a medium, mm-hmm. drawing, painting, writing, songwriting, singing, um, and just bring your whole self to it and just really try and, and, and enjoy the art of creation. Enjoy that, the, the, the gift that you're creating for the world that you're giving to the world um, and that makes all 
all are beautiful. Um, whether, you know, whether, whether it's something, uh, I don't know. It, it just, it, I think that art might be the, the one space where that, that holds true that just by, by virtue of making, by virtue of, of offering that up, it's inherently good. It's inherently wonderful. And that's, so I, you know, kudos to you because I've, I've never been able to tackle the visual arts. I've never been able to, to really lean into painting, drawing, making. Um, and I think like you said, I've, I've always been kind of intimidated by it and I shouldn't be. Eh. So I have, I have a, I have a, I've, I've developed personal. So I have, let's see, since we last talked, I have 12 rules to success. Okay. And the eighth rule is stand comfortable. I like and it. It's a good rule, right? Yeah. And the reason that's important is you have to, you have to understand that the only place you're going to grow is in places where you're not sure what you're going to, what you're doing. Right. I'm not like, I work my, my, I have a, it's now a side gig. My creativity makes more money than me this working at this place, but I work for the Calgary flames, like the NHL team, Calgary flames. Oh, right on. Cool. I work, I work at the, I work in the warehouse and, uh, it's designed. It's the perfect second job. It's the perfect second job. Anyway, um, and on that note, um, it, it, like what I've learned is that can't push me. It just can't because I've done warehousing right. for so long. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying there's not stuff I couldn't learn, but my passion for it is long gone. I can't even get yeah. it for it to be like a serious job. And that's just, and it's yeah. not a knock to the job. It's just where I am in my life, right? Yep. And um, turning my writing into a, a, to a living, turning my video making into a living, turning my voice into a living, turning like that's far more interesting to me, and yeah. far more of a challenge to me, right? And I, I say all that with the with the caveat that you know I'm not necessarily going to succeed every month the way I want to, but that's how I learn. I don't learn. I don't, you don't learn very, you don't learn as much when you succeed all the time. It's safe. Oh, God, it's no. Well, it's safe. Yep. It's comfortable. It's true. I, uh, I think about just my own, you know, journey as an author. And uh, there are a lot of things about even just like the, the business side of being an author that the, the knowledge was there. It was available to me. And sure. I just, I wasn't picking it up. I, I wasn't, I wasn't actually trying to, to understand how to be, I mean, technically a better writer um, and how to be a more successful author. Uh, and I, I kind of, I've always liked that adage that, you know, when the, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And it, it really wasn't until I, I made just a, a couple of really good connections, you know, people that, that were willing to be you know, good mentors and, you know, kind of help me learn things in a different way. And looking back on all the, the things that I tried, mistakes that I had made and whatnot, like all of that, honestly, I wouldn't trade for anything because mm -hmm. that was, that's part of my journey. That's, you know, just how I've been learning and growing and evolving as I go. And sure, you know, trying to be, you know, a little more forward thinking, do things a little smarter, you know, for the next go around the next book, but it's just, it's all part of that journey. And if, if it had been easy out of the gate, it wouldn't be as compelling. It wouldn't be as fun. You wouldn't be, you wouldn't follow through to the end. Yeah. You wouldn't. Yep. 
like that that's the thing like it's 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 friction creates movement it's just the way it is that that's yeah. that's life if yeah. you are com comfortable you're not going to go anywhere at least not unless you absolutely again until something absolutely makes you and yep. uh no it, it's it's you know um it's something that every if you're serious about turning your art into something more than fun and there's nothing wrong with art just being fun that and I, mm -hmm. i've been saying that for the last 100 episodes or like since i've been doing drawings like there's nothing wrong with it you yeah. have to be honest with what your goals are though if you want to get better you have to put yourself in uncomfortable situations there's no ifs there's no ands there's no buts and what i find with what i find with people is a lot of people, um, I try to eliminate the buts. And what I mean by that is I'm going, <laughs> I want to do this, but mm -hmm. right. Right. Because I mean, pun deliberately intended, those butts are all ass, but that all said <laughs> that, 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 that all said, like I have in my life, there have been more talented people than me doing what I'm doing but I'm still doing it and they're not. And the reason why, like more often than not, and I, it's not always the case, but more often than not is they have a, but I would do this, but I would do this. And, and sometimes the butts are valid. Sometimes it's, it's more like, okay, I'm going to do this, but I have something I care about more. That's honest. You know, I can't, I can't argue with that. Yep. Yep. Right. I'm doing this. And no matter what the excuse is, it generates, but it isn't safe to do. I think you're, I, you're being disingenuous to yourself. Yeah. And that is hard. I mean, any, any creative pursuit, it is, it's tough. It's tough to make the numbers click. It's tough to, you know, like you said, quit that day job. Um, Boy, the, the people that can. Yeah. They, they're, was, I mean, few and far between. No, no, no. I, I, it was easy. It was so easy for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> See, I, so pre-pandemic, so 2019 had hit, had come and I was ready to do something different. I just was like, you know, you just, you come to that point in your life where you're just like, I, so one of my favorite um, speeches of all time um, was Colin Cowherd, right? Oh, he had, he, okay. when he went yeah. to Fox, his first episode. He had a five minute speech and it was a really good one. And he talked about his move to Fox and why he did it. And the thing was, he was like, you know what? About six months ago, me and my wife were drinking wine in the afternoon as you do in Connecticut. <laughs> so that's how he started it. He goes, and she goes to him, honestly, you're not happy. What would make you happy? And he thought about it. And, you know, he, he, he talks about like some of the business aspects of it. But the biggest thing is, I listen, I don't know if there's a God, but if there is, if there is, I, I, I mean, heaven, I mean, heaven might sound great to some, but like, all I know for sure is I'm here. And while I'm here, I'm going to trace every dream I have in my head. And this is about me in 2019. It's like, you know what, this, this makes total sense to me. Like we don't live in an age where, where a day job is going to make you a happy, healthy retirement anymore. It doesn't exist. Nope. Um, it's almost every level. Right. It just doesn't. So if it's not going to exist, then the real question then goes, what is it that's going to make you happy? And what I mean by that is 
like what's going to make you get up in the morning and be excited to get up in the morning? Yeah. Because yeah. I, I got to tell you, I mean, I, I enjoy my job with the Flames. I wouldn't be doing if I didn't have some take some joy out of it. It's a cool building with some cool, cool perks. But to be honest, I mean, the job aspect of it, I could take or leave. Like, it's not a big deal to me. I could flip burgers tomorrow and be not quite as fulfilled, but it like, like, but it's just almost the same feeling. I'm never going to take the same level of pride in my work as I do doing my own thing. It's just not what I'm supposed to do. Right. Yep. Um, and that's just like, that's just the, the, the reality. I, I'm grateful for it. And I want people to misunderstand this. I'm not ungrateful for the job, but I don't, but the plan is to leave the job. And I'm closer well, to that I, than hey. I, right. It's like, to me, it's easy. Like it, like, I don't know if I could ever work full time for somebody again, Scott. I'm being very honest. I don't know if I could do it. No, I hear you. Well, and I, I've often said, uh, you know, talking with friends about this, it's, it's kind of like, there, there's sort of like three things that could happen. You know, you could try and get a job that gives you enough time and money outside of work to do things you enjoy, yep. or you could get a job that you really enjoy, even if it doesn't give you a lot of time or money outside of work for other things. And the, the truly like fortunate people are the ones that are able to find both where they have a job that they really enjoy and they have some time and money outside of work to also do other things they enjoy. That's kind of the, 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 the holy grail for, I think, you know, working for a living and loving doing it. Um, I'm like you, you know, I, I have my day job. Um, I, I do well at it. I like my coworkers, you know, I want to do a good job. Um, you know, end of the day though, it, it, it fills like part of my glass, but it doesn't fill the whole thing. There, there's yeah. always that, that itch. So, so, so here's the thing. It's no longer a day job for me. It's a side gig. I make more sure. creatively than I do with my day job. Like I've hit Which that is point. Fantastic. That is, yeah. that is huge. That is a great tipping point. Yeah, no, it, it is. So now I'm now obviously I'm, I'm constantly hustling. Like I just finished proofing a book for a client, like just proofing. I got, cool. like, I got video advertisement I'm doing next week. I'm meeting a gentleman for his video app, doing a video advertisement, right. For his next Kickstarter campaign. I'm, cool. I'm, I'm lining up jobs that are creative, somewhat fulfilling. I have also a um, health series uh, launching September 12th. It's called healing hands. I produced, directed it, kind of co-wrote it with, 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 with my client. That's going to be like a 15 episode run. It's nice. Yeah. Like I, like the episode, everything's filmed. So I'm just now putting all the, like episodes one and two were put together. Um, episode three is going to be put together like tonight. And then like, I like, basically I'm going to be five episodes ahead of schedule when the first one launches. So I can constantly just, just, just keep them rolling. Yeah. Just roll them out. Right. The last yep. episode is going to take the most work from my end, but at that one, I'll just slow it down until release. And then, um, yeah, just do my thing. Just that's do awesome. Yeah. And then, and then, then once November rolls around, like my goal now is to get myself a couple more long-term freelance gigs going into next year, because I don't know if you know this. Um, I, I've already kind of hit the road with the show, like what the next phase of the show is going to be. It's going to be a traveling show. Very cool. I'm going to go to your neighborhood and interview you in your own neighborhood. That's that. That's the plan. Wow. That's the plan. That's, that's wild. 
And, and I, oh, I was going to say, and, and so throughout all of just Josh and like, it's all been with creatives, right? I mean, you're talking to writers and artists and musicians. I mean, is it? Yeah. Wow. Wow. And some pro wrestlers, some politicians too. Um, okay. Oh, that's some, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Some like it's been a, like art, like the theme when I initially started was Canadian talent. I've long broken that bold. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I've long broke that. Right. Um, I have interviewed people from all over the world and like legitimately, the only downside of doing the travel show is my contacts in England, for example, my contacts in Japan or Australia, I'm going to have to wait till I get there to interview them. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but I but will. still that's a, that's oh, that's going to be great. Actually yeah. taking the conversations. Yeah. That's huge. It's the next step. It's the next logical step. Um, I went to San Diego Comic-Con this year as a professional for the first time ever. And that's where I did those, those shows are coming. So yeah, man, like I, like I said, it, I've, a lot of things have happened in my favor and I'm eternally grateful for them. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So do you want to hear my personal highlight from the last one where's Kalai? I know you weren't there. Do you want to hear my personal highlight? I'd love to, because I mean, honestly, that, that one in 2016, Oh, sorry about the sirens. Um, that was my, that was my, my first and only one world's collide. So I had, I had got up there because I'd gotten a, a short story published by, um, at the time they were world weaver press. They were Canadian based, uh, no, they were Michigan based, but the, the editor was Rhonda Parrish and she was up in Calgary. And so they were, they were launching that book of short stories at that event. And I was never able to go back. So yeah, I mean, definitely get me up to speed on how that's been going and what happened last year. So this, this year was my kind of like three you know, digital for the, for the last three years. And um, I went digital the first year, felt okay to do it. That's 2020. I couldn't do it the second and third years. I just yeah. couldn't. It just didn't feel right that I do it when we collide um, digitally. Um, what ended up happening um, this year was like almost like, so the thing about me is during the pandemic, I didn't stop. I just kept going. I kept doing more things and I never realized how far I'd come until I went back to the show because I, I realized that I'm actively doing what a lot of, what a lot of the authors that go to the show dream of doing, just creating. I'm doing that. And yeah, like it's like, that is such a weird feeling to realize that when you started, like seriously, the first week you were like the, the show we were there, I accidentally started the podcast. Like literally I was that, that, that literally kind of fell in my lap. Yep. And, and like, <laughs> and like, here I am. 999 episodes later, right? <laughs> I can't make this up, right? At that time of the show, it was like 990, 991. It was like I had gone, like I tell people that number and people look at me and go, holy shit, <laughs> right? Because it, 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 it's like they, they, they laugh until they see it. Then it's like, then they stop laughing. They're like, then they're, then it goes from laughter to a little bit of terror slash awe. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's fair. I am a bit of a monster, so it's all it's all good. Well, I mean, again, I just I I think it's just outstanding that that it's not it's not just that you've you've created a thousand. I mean, like you're 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 at a thousand episodes of the podcast, but that's that's almost a thousand unique, inspiring, different conversations. I mean, you have you've had a chance to to hit a whole cross section of life. Mm-hmm. And and that's huge. That is really, really cool. Yeah. And I've and I've been very fortunate. Like I've interviewed Spider Robinson on the show. Oh, here's my one words collide highlight of the weekend, though. I did a panel called the Freelance Mindset, like talking about the whole mindset thing. I closed the 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 panel by making my panel sing like not panel the presentation, but making my audience sing carry on wayward son by <laughs> Nice. That was my goal. Well, no, you, you gotta like, you know, one of the things I realized doing this, this is the two biggest keys to this whole thing working and going where you want it to go is an understanding of who you are. Art at the end of the day is about the stories you care about. Like that's, what, and, and that sounds really simplistic, but I've seen this even with authors, the self-awareness of what really matters to you isn't always there. And it yeah. translates in the books. It does. Like you can, you can feel it. Like, like when I read, um, when I read Stephen King, he is incredibly gifted at taking word, at taking it, like making you feel, forget mm-hmm. the genre stuff. That's what, that's why King is so loved and read. I'm a big Ray Bradbury fan. He does the same thing. There's slightly yeah. different feelings they're going for. Like sure. Ray, Brad, yeah. Ray, Ray, Ray Bradbury makes you go kind of like, this is such a cool and magical world out there. That's what Ray Bradbury does. Stephen King will have that a little bit of that, but he will also have these, like he is the man of little victories. That's what I actually think of when I read Stephen King. There isn't always a happy ending. But there's a victory for the character. Almost all the characters in there have a moment they win. Yep. Yeah, that journey that you're absolutely right. Whether it's, I mean, everything from Carrie to Stand By Me to Green Mile to Eyes of the Dragon. He's so, so, so good at just giving you that, that, that satisfying, sometimes heartbreaking, sometimes really sad, but that satisfying arc that that journey for that character to take and that that moment of realization when they get there yeah well no the like the dark tower is my favorite stephen king saga roland story yeah. at the very end just oh my god did that punch you in the face and i mean i like the best way yep. possible it's beautiful but it's <laughs> yep. so heartbreaking right but he yeah. wins yeah but that's the thing like you got your you king is very smart and that he knows the victory the audience truly cares about and he gives it to you in some warmer fashion, not always in the way you expect it, but he knows the victory we're, we're seeing, we're going for. And that's why his books, that's why, and there's something real about that story, that character, that ending. It works. So here, I, I, I got a confession to make. In the last three right. years, I, I have become a Swifty. See, Swifty. Oh, <laughs> sweet. <laughs> I went down that dark, dark path. But here's the thing. Here, here, here's the thing about her. 
And it isn't thing about anybody I think that's uber successful for any length of time. I think the thing about success, the more you connect to your, like commit to, she could be Eminem. She could be uh, Mariana Grande. She could be anybody that has sustained their craft and their game for an extended period of time in music. There's something authentically Taylor Swift in all her albums. That's how she connects with people. That's how she succeeds. All her tricks aside, her real strength is she has a genuine story she wants to tell the audience that she cares about. Yeah. And uh, and this thing, no matter who you are as a creative, you have to know who you are and what you care about because that's the story. That's the story you're, that people are going to listen to. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, for anybody, again, any medium, but, you know, I'm a writer, so I tend to think of it through the writing lens, but just that idea of, of trying to be authentic with your voice, you know, like mm-hmm. any number of people could tell the same story, but they're not going to tell it like you. Exactly. And you know, really, yeah, you know, being, being, you know, willing to, I think, just lean into that and just say, yeah, this is, I mean, and, you know, again, you my stuff hasn't gotten any more serious since we hung out all those years ago. I'm still writing about, you know, bowling vampires and stuff. And there's, there's, but and there's I really enjoy. No. Uh-uh. And I, I really enjoy, I like writing comedy. I like, I like writing stories that, you know, hopefully just bring a, a little bit of a smile to people, you know, during their day. And I, I like telling those stories my way. And, and sometimes that's not always, the easiest thing to figure out, especially when you're starting something new. But, uh, but yeah, I think you're right that when, when people really start to connect with others, it's because they are, like you said, they're, they're authentic. They're real. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're, again, it's, it's not the people that are trying to just do formulaic stuff to try and crank out as much as possible to, to make a quick buck, you know, and it's, and I, I genuinely think that the people that really make that connection a huge part of that is just them being themselves and being open about it entirely. Yeah. hundred percent. Sure. But it's okay. okay, So let's, let's go into comedy because I, I I do have a little bit of a comedic flair in some of my, my stories. So I opened up this current story. I opened up my current story in a bar that could be generously described as the shit hole. It literally, the roof is somewhat, the roof somewhat caves in. Right. I actually did the read like that. I actually did a reading from chapter one and uh, it made people laugh exactly where I wanted them to laugh. Like I set up the jokes <laughs> perfectly. Nice. Oh, no, it was it was designed to be like. So comedy, like, this is the thing, like there's there are two things to comedy that there's OK. I know three things for sure about comedy. Right. You need bad jokes in your material. You don't need you, you, no. You, you do, and the, and my argument for this is Peter Parker, right? Peter Parker is Spider Man to cracks jokes every time he's on the street fighting crime. They're not all funny. That's true. Yep. Right. Nope. They're not. They're not all funny. But there's a there's a um, it's it's a degree of feeling, a degree of feeling, right? It, it's about it's about degrees. 
you if I made you nothing but A-list material all the time, you're going to grow numb to it. So you need a couple yeah. of like 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 little groaners in there. It's like oh oh right. <laughs> so you can knock them on their feet when you hit them with something good. You you need you need to you need to dirty up your style a little bit. Basically, it's the first thing I know for sure. The second thing yeah. I know. The second thing I know for sure is um, your comedy has to tell a story. That's the, that's the real secret to it. Um, yep. the, if the comedy tells a story that people can connect with, Dave Chappelle is one of my favorite comedians. Whatever you might think about his politics, whatever, whatever right? He tells phenomenal stories. And they're real. They're funny, but they're real. And you can feel the reality. Yeah. Again, there's something authentic with what Chappelle does, right? Yep. And because it, it and, that, and, and the reason is, but he just sits there. He doesn't, he doesn't go out of his way to like. He sets up some punchlines here and there, but really, when you sit there and watch his watch his material, he's just he's telling jokes, right? He's telling jokes. He's basically yep. he's talking to the audience. He's listening to them. He's telling stories, and depending on how the audience goes, he tells certain stories. Sometimes he wants you to think, and that's the last thing I think comedy has to do. Comedy has to have a little bit of seriousness to it, in the yes. sense that, in, in the sense that, it's like we are laughing at this at this thing that is real, but yet it's something like, like okay, my bar, the punchline actually, I'll just tell you the punchline. I set it up like you know everybody knows how terrible the beer is, and yes, the roof is trying to, it caves in randomly and is trying to kill you, but the most amazing thing about this bar is that somehow it fucks up water. I'm not sure how. <laughs> it fucks up water. Right? I'm not sure how. No one does. It's one of those mysteries of the universe. It's like, your beer is bad, but you fucked up water. Like, how? <laughs> how did you screw that up? But somehow, this bar has found a way to do it. Right? Right, living proof that God is real because see, God, God does allow these little weird jokes in the world. It's like, how do you fuck this up? God's like, well, oh, like this, <laughs> <laughs> and that's it, right? And, 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 and I have you laugh. You haven't even read the book, and I've actually am half tempted. I've already probably half tempted you. So I can't wait to read this. This sounds funny, <laughs> right? And it's and it's it's got a serious it's got a serious side to it too. But I. I pepper it with little bits of jokes because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to make my, again, I'm being a manipulative prick and I know it is I'm trying to get you comfortable with the world so that when I make you uncomfortable, when I make you uncomfortable and I'm going to make you uncomfortable, you, you feel the jarring effect. And that's the thing, like, as I've gotten older, what I realize is I am not just trying, I'm trying to convey a story to get a very specific reaction. Whereas, sure. yep. whereas when I started, when I started writing, I didn't always worry about the reaction. But now it's like, it's a big part of how I'm constructing my stories now is, okay, what's the story really about? And what do I want to make the person feel? Yeah. And I think that that's, I think that that's huge. You know, if, yeah. if uh, you, you have to, you have to bring that reader on, on a journey, 
Mm-hmm. And you know, if it's a if it's a comedy with a nice happily ever after, that's great. If it's a horror you know story and you're you're trying to to confront them with their worst fears, that's great. But whatever it is, like you you really have to, I think be be clear in your intention if you really want to connect. And mm-hmm. uh, and it's tough to do. I, I like I said it's 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 tough to come up with the character, the worlds, the plot, all the things. And also find that, like you said, that reaction that you're trying to get. Um, mm-hmm. And if we do our jobs well, we get it, you know, from from more than we don't. So, well, that's just it, right? That that's the whole secret of it. Like you gotta you gotta be honest yeah. about what you're going for. Again, the more the older I get, it's more it's about it's about specifics. It's not about it's not about the general idea anymore. It's about the specific idea, and everything I'm doing is around the specific idea now. It's a very different space of creation than I was, and I'm confident enough that I can get people to feel a certain way. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think about I, I kind of took a strange approach to that trilogy, but I, you know, it's it's three books chronological. But book one, you're in, you know, Herb's head, and then book two, you shift over to his best friend Dallas, and that transition from book one to two was was risky because Dallas, I spent all of book one setting him up to be the worst imaginable person in the world. He's just an absolute jerk, and then all of a sudden you're in book two, and now you're you're seeing the world through Dallas's eyes. Now all of a sudden he is the main character, um, and. Uh, did that without, I guess, really, really even fully thinking about the impact that might have on the readers. And uh, it's really fun over those first few years just to get the reviews and get the feedback of how much people really struggled with this like redemption arc for this character because they started the book hating him. And my intent was by the end of the book, you actually find some sympathy for that devil. You actually start to to love Dallas. Um, but yeah, it's tough. It, it's tough to it's tough to try and establish what you hope to get from the reader and then actually pull it off and actually win them over. Um, and it's a learning journey all the way through. Well, I, I think, I think it's also like, it's the expectations you've already built in. Like Dallas is a yeah. jerk, right? He's a jerk. Yeah. yeah. Right. So you, you, I mean, you kind of have, no, there's a lot of, like, I'm a big Green Lantern guy. I'm, I'm a little guy Gardner. He's a jerk. Like he, he, he's, yeah. he's literally a jerk. But, 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 he's got some incredibly noble characteristics to him, right? And there's something in there that has to be, that has to be, um, there's something good to him. Doesn't mean he is a good guy, but there are qualities to him, right? And the, the writers, when he originally came out, did a really good job of establishing those things, right? Now, now, and here's the thing, here's the thing though, right? So if you're making some, if you're shifting to a point of view character like this, right? I guess the question I would ask you is, in the first arc, you, you worked very deliberately to make him a bastard. Did you give him any redeeming qualities? Yeah, yeah exactly. And probably, if I was to go back and rewrite those books, I think I would do more there. I think that I would try and plant a few more seeds for the, the person he could become early yeah. in that first story. Yeah, because that 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 would be that would be the that would be what would make the transition uncomfortable. Because 
well, he's a bastard here. It doesn't change. Yeah, he does some good things here, but doesn't change that he's a bastard there, right? Right? It, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, it, it it's a hard pill to swallow. But yeah, if you go, okay, yeah, he is an unrequitable jerk, but he's not all bad. Then you can kind of go, okay, we can we can swing him to the good side of the force, little by little by little. But you have to do it in such a way yeah. that 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 uh, is believable too. If you make him, if you turn him into a full blown um, vanilla nineteen sixties Batman character, although if, <laughs> if any of those characters, Dallas could probably pull that off at least terribly. Like, right. <laughs> like, 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 there you go. You have an idea for the future, there, Scott. Batman parody featuring Dallas the werewolf on it. Yeah, right. That's right. <laughs> Complete with the pole and a sidekick. Right. Yep. And this guy keeps looking at him, going, "I'm not putting on this skimpy ass costume," but it brings out your figure. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> and there you go. That's, that's like, I'm not wearing this. You can't make me right and. And that would be, and that, and that would be like Dallas's story. Dallas's um, arc is trying to get his sidekick to wear that costume, and in, in turn, <laughs> I'm a horrible human being. What can I say? Uh, but no, it, it took a long time to. It, 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 it took. It takes a long time to learn that stuff. Like, like, like yeah. it, it's details ultimately. But it's details a lot of big name pros don't always get right. Yeah, I agree. So let's see. Four years in between. So yeah. So why? Like real full 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 reasons. Yeah, I mean that's so it's really interesting. I mean, I don't know. We we might have talked about this way back in the first time we chatted, but I you know, I really planned to be a writer um when i wrote my first book uh i had started it as a screenplay and i only did that because i lived in la and i kind of thought i had to have one um finished that first book and i was like huh maybe i should actually keep this story going and so i i wrote the second and the third and then i got to the end of that that trilogy and i I felt like i had tied it up really nicely and you know and then i i started thinking about like okay what what's next and I started a lot of books. I, I started more horror comedy. I started a, a spinoff series from that same world. I started some hard sci-fi and then some military sci-fi. Um, you know, I'd, I'd write almost every day. And the, 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 the weeks and the months would just slip by and I couldn't, I couldn't get to, I couldn't get to the next book. It was really tough. And so it was probably, let's see, undead cheesehead came out in like 2017 so yeah it was probably 2020 when i finally started to, to hone in on this new character this new world and, and finally got my bearings but it was just sort of a, a, a long meandering journey in between um i don't regret it i mean i no. again I, I i wrote every day um i just um uh, yeah i some people i think already have 10 more stories locked and loaded when they finished their book. And for me, it was like, huh, I didn't know I was going to be on this particular path. And now I'm here. Let's just kind of wander around for a bit and see what's out there. So 
would it be fair to say that this was I'm putting spaghetti on the wall and trying to figure out what sticks? hundred percent. Yep. I mean, it really was. And, uh, and again, with like, with the zero consideration of like, what's my author brand or any of that. I mean, again, I was, I was trying stuff all over the place. Um, when I started rewriting the breakfast club, it was just because I had rewatched it. And I was like, ah, oh, this'd be kind of funny as a writing exercise to like reimagine this with monsters you know, so Claire is the the fairy and Andrew is a werewolf and Brian is a mad scientist, whatever. Um, and I ended up having so much fun with it that I kept going. And before I knew it, like, I don't know, four or five months of my life was gone and I had rewritten The Breakfast Club. Great, yeah. enjoyable hobby. Didn't really move the needle on my author career. Um, but yeah, so it just, uh, again, I, I think... I'm kind of in that space again. I just finished another trilogy and I have no idea what's next. I started a few different, you know, little, little outlines for a couple of different stories, but for all I know, for years before I figure out what the next book is. I don't think it's going to take you as long. I don't. I hope not. No, but I, I, if no, it no, does, no. I, yeah. Well, well, see, hmm. Would you like a challenge? I'm always up for a challenge. Okay. So your last, for your, your first trilogy, the, the, the challenge is not, you don't actually have to answer me. You have to answer yourself. Okay. So the first trilogy, what did you care about? Like, what was the story you really were telling there? Right. And how does it reflect on yeah. you? Okay. Now, yeah. the second story, second trilogy. What did you care about then? Understand sure. what they are. Yep. So let me, like this, 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 okay. I'm, I'm going to give you, I'll give you, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a bit of a cliff notes, like what the feelings I'm going for in this current novel, work in progress I'm doing right now. I realize what the story is really about. And for me, it's, it's the fear of never being able to fall in love again. That's what the story is ultimately about. That's the story. Cool. That's that's what the, that's what I care about in this story. I didn't realize it when I started writing it, but I realized that as I've gotten, I'm two thirds of the way through it. I'm going to try to close out in the next couple of weeks because I got got some good things on the horizon potentially there. But the reason I say it like that is um, because because oh, maybe because. I realize what I care about. I find and that best connects me to this story. So understanding who I am and what I care about right now, right? You're on the next step of your writer career. So okay, you've written two stories you've you've written that you cared about. And hopefully, like I said, I'm certain this trilogy is better than your last trilogy, technically in every other way. So what's the next step of that clarity, that vision? What does Scott Burton is care about? in this moment right now that's a great way to approach it and it's a really good way to frame it because then yeah. that's true is that yeah. you know we we tell stories about other people we make it better in our heads but honestly we're just telling huh. a story in different ways yeah like i said i'm like so alice in wonderland greek mythology right like okay what's my what's my whole connection to that story that whole story to me it's 
it's a combination of the game. Like, can you, can you come out of your own mistakes? Is what you did a mistake to begin with, right? Sometimes that's the other question too. Like when Alice felt like when Pandora opened the box and Alice went down the rabbit hole, the feeling was curiosity. So is curiosity a terrible thing? Or, you know, and in the process, like going through these things, who do you become? Who, what makes a character a hero, heroic? Like, that's what I care about with Alice, right? Is she a hero because she's getting out of her own mess? Maybe, maybe not, yeah. right? That's that story. And then, and then this one, the first arc is like, the whole arc is about like trying to become a better person, but in the process, right? Are you someone that's worth loving? Because ultimately, like, if, if we were going to talk about if we're going to talk about the ultimate reward in this life, honestly, for most of us, right? It's not, it's not the house, it's not the car, it's not the kid, it's not the, 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 um, the 2.5, whatever, it's the, it's the finding people that love me for who I am, and it can accept me for who I am. Right, yeah. that's what we all look for in this life. It's one. It's what yeah. we try to figure out what we love to do. Then the other half of that is who do we love to do it with? That's life, I think, in a nutshell. Agreed. Yep. I mean, it's end of the day. We're just the sum of our experiences. You know, it's hopefully uh, you find good people to have those good experiences with, and as long as. Uh, you know, you can tilt the skills toward more good than bad. I think you've had a pretty good life. Well, I, I hmm. Oh, it's quite, I, 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 I'm going to push back on that slightly. I, I think it's not just experiences. People can have the exact same experiences and react in completely different ways. Good point. Yep. Right. It, right. It's not just the sum of our experiences. It's, do we have the awareness of who we are in these moments? That's it. And what do we yeah. do in those moments? And I don't think there's necessarily a good or right or wrong answer in each one. Um, I just think it's about, can we look ourselves in the mirror when it's all over? And can we like the person we see? Yeah, 100%. Yep. Uh, and we, can we learn and grow from those moments when we don't like that person so much? Try and understand why. Yeah. Try and find some way to move beyond that. Yeah, it is. It's a. It's just that, that constant journey. Yeah. And then, you know, I mean, and I, I talked about this with Chris Humphreys a little bit earlier today. He was 998. I did I do episodes today, back to back. Um. Sweet. The nature, the nature of love. Love is not control. It's not about like, I can like you as a person and deplore some things you do. Can I still love you in the within those things? If the answer is yes, then I love you. If the answer is no, then I really don't. Right? I still might care. But but it, it's like, that's what I've learned. Like love is not, it's about, I kind of look at somebody good, bad, and indifferent and love them all the same. 
I've had some deep thoughts over the years, Scott. Yep. No, I'm, and again, I, I think it's our, it's our blessing and curse of, I don't know, kind of being a little more inclined to tap into that strange creative mess that comes out in all those different ways, yeah. whether it's our, our writing, our art, you know, it's, I think that we're, uh, we're kind of hardwired to, to maybe spend a bit more time on some of these, these thoughts and these emotions. And I think that's great. Yeah. I, I've enjoyed over the years, you know, being, being more open to and more accepting of just all those questions, those messy things that, that make up the world around us. It's, uh, we being talked about what gets us going and it's, it's that it's, it's getting to actually, you know, give myself the, the permission to, to spend time in those places. Mm. And, uh, hard to hard to imagine setting that aside and kind of you know, giving up that that creative journey and all the fun stuff that comes with it so i'm gonna ask this mr scott as it sounds like you're happy player you are overall do you want to push deeper into making the creative your living or are you are you happy with your day job and are you trying to escape it no great question i don't know <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the gap between, you know, actually paying a mortgage with my writing is, is not insubstantial at this point. Um, you know, there's a part of me that likes having my writing as, as a, a way to step away from the other things, you know, from, from the job or, or the worries about whatever, like it's, it's nice to have that, that place to go to. Um, where it's just, it's just me and the stories that I'm telling. And if, if I was it, like if, if I didn't, if I didn't have things to step away from and step into my writing, would I still enjoy it as much? I don't know. Um, if I have some books that do well enough to give me that, that opportunity, uh, you know, what I see for myself, honestly, is, um, you know, finding that, a little bit more of a secure paycheck, but doing something I'd have a heck of a lot more fun doing, you know, just, you know, serving, serving bar at the local brewery, you know, two, three nights a week, and then focus on my writing the rest of the time. That's fine. So I guess we'll see. We'll see what the cards hold. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if this doesn't fail, I'm just going fishing. I'll just, I'll just go fishing. I'll get a boat and fish and, and maybe drink and fish yeah. and some more. Fishing right, right and fish. <laughs> or I was gonna, I was gonna say right and train, but sure, we can do that too. <laughs> Whatever. No, it, it's. Well, I already do that. Yeah, you already do that. You're, you're living the dream, Scott. You're living the dream. But um. <laughs> no, I, I I'm gonna ask I'm gonna ask it like this. Um. Do you think okay? Then I'm going to ask it like this. Are you going to make more of an effort to try to shift in that direction? And when I'm talking about like advertising, getting your word out there, doing more things to push it, are you going to be kind of like, I'm just going oh, to yeah. let it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, I, and that's, that's been the, the, I think the last couple of years, especially, um, finally put a focus on the, just on the business side. Um, you know, doing more to just 
sort of peel back the onion on all of the the little ways that authors can build their brand and be more successful. It's helped. I've I've actually seen the needle move uh, a decent amount, and I'm excited to keep hopefully bringing more books to the world and taking those lessons learned and carrying them forward. Um, so yeah, I think uh, you know my goal is to always try and find that balance where I'm I'm stretching that goal. I'm, I'm I'm trying to move to that new place, but I'm enjoying it. And I'm not, you know, not pushing hard to lose sight of the fact that the reason I like writing every day is because I like writing every day. Yeah. Well, if it makes you, if it makes you feel better, even though I've turned into, I have become a full fledged freelance type. I still enjoy writing a lot. Now, granted, it's not the only thing I'm doing freelancing yeah. wise, but even so, I enjoy it a lot. I mean, I literally get paid to yeah. write. No, that's that's writing. great. I'm getting paid right now to write a science. I get to write about military, my, like the best military science fiction books of all time, or my my being the ones that should be read. You should read. It's like, oh no, I get to talk about science fiction and get paid for it. Darn. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the struggle is real. The right? struggle is so real. <laughs> no, I like. I think the weirdest thing I can say about my life is this, honestly, and it's it's a hard one to explain. I literally, I had Marissa. Uh, do you know who Marissa Mayer is? No, she's a number one New York Times bestselling author. I there's literally a video of me and her, like me streamyard screwing up like crazy, with me, her, and my doppelganger just frozen on the screen, like literally just frozen on the screen, and uh, <laughs> and, and like how many people in their life can say they have a number one New York Times bestselling author, yourself, and a screen of you on the same time having a conversation, like <laughs> right. That is the weirdest, but that's my life. You know, I, I, and I've worked to make those things happen. And again, I've been blessed. I really have been. And, and like humbly, humbly. So like, as I, I hit 1000, um, it's been an incredible journey. I cannot, I never imagined it would go this way, but I'm happy it did. If that makes sense. I am. And I'm super glad that you reached out. We had a chance to reconnect and I got to be a part of this journey again. That is very, very cool. And I very appreciate it. No, before we uh, call it a day, just two more things. So when I do go finally on the road, are you going to, okay, come on, look, look in my camera and eat ice cream and tell horribly bad jokes about our writing? <laughs> so all you have to do is just get to Wisconsin. I'm up in uh, okay, yeah, yeah, in Door County that, now. That's gonna be hard. No, no, no. Do, 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 do. Yeah, it's just across the border. You're almost there. <laughs> yeah, and you're just as cold as Alberta. So it's like I'm. It's like it's like Wisconsin winter scares you. Not really. No, I lived in Alberta. <laughs> we both suffer that we have about the same levels of despair <laughs> in the winter time. Yeah, winter. Winter is a thing. Yeah, winter, winter's a thing. Winter's a thing in Wisconsin, but it's also a thing in Calgary. So it's like, you know, it's not so bad. It's not so scary once you are there. <laughs> it's also just, you know, that's why we drink beer, folks. This is why we drink beer, to not freeze in the wintertime. Yep. That, 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 yep. that, that, that is our yeah. weapon. Much lower freeze water, so, you know. Got to keep that blood nice and fluid. Yes, right. 
because Lord knows you might go, you might be going outside <laughs> to start your car, and it will not happen. You'll be like, well, yep. fuck. <laughs> it's like, well, fuck. I don't know what to do. <laughs> and everybody else that's out in the streets, like, you know, I have a really good excuse to call in sick. I'm doing it. Screw it. I'm doing it because that's not worth it. All right, and that's and that's and that's the whole of it, right? It's just that's the whole of it. Um, no, I'm going to be going on the road. Um, I was going to go in. The, so San Diego was my consolation prize. <laughs> like that's my consolation prize. Um, but no, it was my consolation prize. I was going to be hopefully on the road by now. Like, but, but you know, it's going to take a little longer than I thought it would. But sure, even yeah. But even so, but even so, I'm I'm getting it ready. I'm doing my thing. And I'm trying to get, you know, a part people like trying to be a part of this. And I'm just trying to see like now also this way it's not gonna be nine hundred and ninety-eight episodes between appearances. This is legitimately gonna be like, you know, maybe a somewhere before episode eleven hundred. <laughs> but maybe eleven fifty, somewhere in there. Um, but yeah, like I've been like the coolest, like I said, for me, I've got a chance, like when the coolest thing about San Diego for me, like there's a couple lot, there's a couple things, but one of the coolest things was I, people I've interviewed for their, this show were there. Right. And I got to meet them in person and that's just a cool experience all the way through. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, and I've, I've seen, um, you know, as I've done different fan conventions and comic cons and stuff, um, over the years, like, yes, you know, actually getting to be there, meet the people, have those real connections. That's huge. It's a ton of fun. Yeah, no, it's super fun. It's it's part of the journey, right? But also, I mean, it was San Diego and everybody should do San Diego Comic-Con once, at least once. Yeah, I've only heard stories. I know it's it's absolutely insane. Oh, God. If you look on my Instagram, you can actually look at me. Take it. I took a picture of Chewbacca, a giant nine foot Chewbacca that was there. But to get an idea of the size of the show, folks, you can literally look that aisle. You're seeing not even a quarter of that aisle. And it is long. What you see is just like, that is a big fucking convention hall. It's like, yes, it is. It is ginormous. <laughs> it's huge. It, oh, it's, it, it, it's huge. It, even if I was walking at full speed, it'd take me 40 minutes to get there across the convention hall longer. It, it, it's not like, wow, it's no, it's no joke. Like the, the one end where the video game stuff is all the way to where the comic creators are and everything in between, you're probably looking at about 40 minutes one way. Jeez. One aisle. You could legitimately spend five hours and this is not panel rooms, not anything else. This is just the convention center, like the, the where everybody's just selling stuff. It is it 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 is so big. It is so big. Like you cannot I cannot put into words just how much is there. Just like it's unbelievable. It takes literally two days to see everything. Legit, two days. I'm there, once. That's one trip. The only, but and then and and, 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 and then that's the first pass, and then you go back to the places you like to remember are still there, which is a little different for us all. (laughs) But yeah, no, you should. But I mean, Scott, seriously, you should do that at some point in your life. But beyond that, man, um, good luck. I I hope 
yeah, this will not be a, a seven year gap between the next time we do this. I hope not anyway. <laughs> no, for sure. And uh, again, I just, I think it's been, it's been great to, I mean, one, just you know, rediscover to see what you've accomplished with it. I mean, it's just really, really cool to see what's coming next. Yeah. So I we're definitely gonna have you there. So we, we probably should plug something of yours, shouldn't we? Sure. So, um, hey, everybody. I'm Scott Burtness. I am the author of the Monsters in the Midwest Horror Comedy Trilogy and the Misadventures of a Paranormal Post-Relationship Personal Effects Repossession Specialist Trilogy for your paranormal comedy. That's me. So what's your latest book called? The most recent release is called Siren Sings Her Heart Out. It's book three of that repo series where uh, the main character is a shapeshifter whose job is to get your stuff back from your ex after a messy breakup. That could be really interesting with monsters, right? Mm -hmm. there yep. Be, there, there could be complications there. Some complications, some government conspiracies, some end of the world stuff. It's all mixed in. It's all mixed in. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so, so, so Aphrodite's got to be a war just or in this series aphrodite yeah she's not in my books no, or if she be. is she hasn't popped up yet yeah, she, should, <laughs> she should be i mean doc talk, talk about the scarred like just leaves a trail of like battered bodies and broken monsters hearts that i mean <laughs> there's just that, that that's just an open goal i think man right you, you, right? It's, it's an open goal but yeah, no, it's all good. Uh, so Siren Sings Her Heart Out is available now everywhere? Nah, Amazon. I'm still single platform. I haven't gone wide yet. Oh, it's, all, it's all good. And where, is there a website where people can find you? Uh, there is. It's uh, swbauthorblog.wordpress.com. So SWB for Scott Wayne Burtness. All right, I, I, I've added it to the comments on Twitch and it'll definitely be in there. So everybody go say hi to cool. Scott. He's funny. He'll tell terrible jokes. He might laugh at one or two of them. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. One or two, maybe. Maybe, maybe. He's a good writer though, folks. Like, like honestly, he's a really, really good writer. You should definitely check out his work. And folks, my next episode is episode 1000. My guest is legendary comic book creator, Keith Gethman. It's going to be fun. Sweet. I just clapped. I saw that. I saw the clap. I've seen the clap. <laughs> do, you know who Keith, do you know who Keith Giffen is? I don't, but it sounds impressive. So he did Justice League by like pre-crisis on infinite earth and he also did the legion of superheroes and those were some of the best runs of, the, of those characters uh, lives oh yeah like he's done some big like sweet he, he's also he's also done other cool things as well throughout the years i'm going to be doing my research tomorrow to see what he did recently but oh man i am tired um but that is going to be my 1000th <laughs> episode ladies and gentlemen and that, ladies and gentlemen, will do it for this episode of Just Joshing. I want to thank Scott for being a great sport for coming back for episode 1,000 here. And not 1,000, 999. Um, 999. Yeah, yep. that's, that's right. <laughs> Pretty awesome. That's right. 
that is still a pretty awesome number to come back to. So for everybody watching, everybody listening, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Stay inspired. Keep shining in the dark. And I'll see you guys next time. I just got to hit the magic button. Just Joshing is turning 1,000. And what is next in store for the show? The truth is, it's already happening. I've been recording shows since the start of the year in preparation of me going on the road. You can watch and listen to them now. They are available on my Patreon channel for the price of $5 US. Not only will you get to see these shows months in advance, but you can also help me when I take this show on the road. Click on the Patreon link for more details. Josh. Josh.